Hello and welcome back to another episode of More Than. Today we speak to Florencia Galarza who is a female footballer and creative. Coming up through the ranks in the US, she's played for Boca Juniors, trialed at PSG and has been part of the Argentinian national team. After knowing her for a while, I realized that she was much more than just a footballer. She has done a range of things, from studying fashion to even DJing for Kanye West. For me, she's someone that epitomizes why I started this podcast and I really had to speak to her. I hope you enjoy. Hello, guys. Um, welcome back to my podcast, More Than. And today we're here with Florencia Galarza. Hello, Flo. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm great here in Miami. Not sunny, a little rainy, but we're here. <laughs> like we're in the same place, really. <laughs> yeah, we're both technically in London right now. Yeah, honestly. Um, thank you so much for being here. I know it's been a bit of a pain trying to find the time, you know, with the time difference and stuff. And uh, But I'm so happy to have you here. As I told you, first woman on the show, really excited about yeah. this. Thank you. That's amazing. <laughs> I appreciate that. You're welcome. We'll have a few more as well for our listeners. I'm just not going to give the names away yet. I want it to be like a little surprise. Um, I know, but I'm not going to say either. But yeah, no pressure for them, right? No, no pressure yeah. for them, right? <laughs> so um, yeah, tell us um, how are you and where you at right now? So right now I'm in Miami, Florida, which is a little crazy because I think Miami right now is like the leading hotspot for coronavirus. So we're being super careful, yeah. stuck in the apartment, but it's fine. You know, like we have to get through this. And uh, yeah, just in Miami, I've been back and forth with New York doing some like fundraising and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I'm fine. <laughs> I'm a little bored. <laughs> trying to stay busy however I can, you know, um, but yeah. That's cool. Because um, you, you basically, as you said, you're based between New York and, and Miami. And I had like, your life is mainly in New York, but you went back for quarantine, right? So I actually came back to Miami so I could focus a little more on training full time. In New York, sometimes in the winter, it gets a little bit difficult. And also my favorite training facility is in New Jersey. And it was a bit far. It was like an hour and a half away from me. Really? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to come down to Miami. There's some amazing trainers in Miami. And there's also a performance um, center that I love. So I was, just, I was just like really focused on that. And it was mm. for the World Cup. So all of 2018 and half of 2019, I was just focused on training. So I was in Miami. Oh, good. And then, um, yeah, tell us how it's been apart from all the training. How's quarantine been for you? I know in the US, um, a lot of stuff has been going on, not just with the with the pandemic, but um, with the BLM movement and all the stuff that happened sure. with George Floyd and everything. How have you been coping throughout the, the whole situation? Has it been hard for you, like mentally and stuff? So it's been hard for everyone. It's been hard for me because it's just so unreal that we're still dealing with this crap. You know, like I get super emotional. I don't want to cry. I'll probably cry about it. But like I um, just what happened with George Floyd, like I know that's crazy. It's just also I'm so focused on this Black Lives Matter situation and just like people need to just be friends like one love one human race like what is going on you know it's just unbelievable that we're still dealing with this um i try not to get into arguments with people i try to educate them because mm -hmm. fighting doesn't lead to anything yeah. um but it gets to a point where you get so frustrated like how do you not understand like we're just 
one people. Like we should all just be together in this world, creating beautiful things, a beautiful life, beautiful experiences. And then this is still happening. So it's like, uh, it's really frustrating. And for my own friends, my black friends, like I'm Hispanic, obviously we get our things. I've been called things before, but the black community, it's just like wild that they still have to deal with this. It's too much. It's too much, too much. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I, it's obviously something that happens everywhere in the world and here in London, um, it's happened as well, but, um, yeah, it's just, uh, still unbelievable that this stuff comes from so many years ago. Right. And we're still, I don't know. I feel like changed so little, you know, And, and with all the information we have nowadays and all the social media and like people can educate themselves, um, way better than, than it was, uh, before, but we're still like, I don't think, um, especially white people, not making um, the effort needed to kind of like be up to the task and understand that um, <laughs> this is a massive, massive issue. And and um, I was reading uh, about like the what aboutism that people like keep using to to kind of um, you know excuse themselves. But um, I don't think there's an excuse at all, and I think it's an effort. Yeah. From, from from everyone and yeah you being from like well living in new york and like the massive um it's like such a cultural epicenter you know so that's why i wanted to ask like um as you say like with your friends and and stuff and yeah i I can imagine like how hard it must have been for you yeah it's super difficult also like i've always tried you know i was born and raised in miami before i moved to new york and i'm from i'm argentinian um and in Argentina, race, racism is a thing. Like, mm-hmm. Argentinians can be very racist. And even, like, at times, my grandmother would make comments, and I'm like, what? Like, and I feel, I mean, I know they're conditioned by just, like, generations of this, but it's, like, trying to just educate someone who's conditioned by their culture or just, like, the world. It's so difficult to have that breakthrough, but, mm-hmm. and it's really uncomfortable at times, and it yeah. sucks, but I'm still fighting for it. Like, I I'm going to do that. And people need to understand that it's super uncomfortable and like, you don't really know if you're going to insult someone or not, but like you need, you need to have your people's back. Like I I need to educate. I don't care if it makes me seem crazy or like whatever, like I'm out there. Like I went out there and protested in downtown Miami. Like it's just, you have to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even, I don't even post on Instagram that much. I'm just like out here actually like caring and stuff like, yeah, lot but i get so passionate about it like yeah, yeah, yeah no that's so good and i feel i feel so related because um i think spain is very similar to argentina you know like people are really not educated and i say that from like people in my family to like group of friends and stuff and i feel like sometimes um i don't know when you come from a country like ours um it's when you get out then you start seeing the broader world and you start educating yourself and like for me coming to London was such a cultural change because um, in my hometown, um, there's only like 20,000 people, you know, and, sure. there, and there is not many immigrants. And even though there was a few, which like they used to be all my friends because I, I used to go to the only public school in the, in the town. So for me, since I was young and like through football, there has been like, because um, I think football helps a lot, you know, it's like such oh, a sport yeah. that is so multicultural. So it kind of, you know, all the... Um, all the bad education that we get, because obviously racism is something that you, you're not born with. It's something that you learn with time. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I didn't have that personally, but it was, 
you know, coming to London that were actually just like opened my eyes so much to like other cultures and embracing it and, uh, you know, really understanding that we are all really just one race. Yeah, you know? we are one but it's, as I say, it's so hard for me to also like have these conversations with my family, you know, uh, for example, in Spain, like the, the, um, the far right has now got into parliament and uh, it's something that a lot of people talk about. And for me, it's so, so hard to like hear someone from my circle talking good about them or something um, because it's all like so, um, so racist really. Like the policies yeah. is, is kind of like what, what they're guided by. And I can get so, so, so emotional about it as well. And, and, <laughs> and, and so angry and I'm like, how, how can we be so close and like with people in my family and stuff and like you guys be talking about this stuff and and so I feel your pain <laughs> I feel your pain yeah and it's difficult because you get so emotional and passionate and angry and you want to like articulate your like the situation or what reality is but it gets like mixed sometimes because you're so angry that it comes yeah. off like aggressive and then people don't want to listen and you're like oh, I'm just losing this is like <laughs> right now <laughs> like yeah. yeah it's I could talk about this for hours yeah it's just, no. I can't imagine. And uh, obviously you've been helping the, the community, as you said, um, in New York. I saw like, were you like cooking stuff or something? And like, even in the <laughs> protests and I saw something on your Insta stories. What was it that you yeah. did? So I first started when I realized that we were going to be stuck indoors for a while and everything was going to be shut down. Um, I decided to make my empanadas. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. I heard they're good. good. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to make empanadas. And the first one was actually for Easter Sunday here in Miami. And um, I made a ton of empanadas. I sold, first of all, I sold, I have a, I collect jerseys. That's like my thing. I collect kits. Mm -hmm. Like I'm obsessed. And I started selling them so I can use those funds to buy like the stuff to make my empanadas. And um, <laughs> so I made them on Easter Sunday and I went out to the homeless community here in Miami and gave them out. So I made like little individual kits in a paper bag. I wrote happy Easter on every bag. I gave them empanadas, gloves, so they could be safe. I didn't have enough masks, but yeah. um, also little chocolate bonbons. And um, yeah, and I just went out on Sunday, Easter Sunday, like, you know, like I care about you too. Like you deserve to like, obviously have an Easter Sunday. I don't care yeah. if you're on the street or in my house. Like I'm gonna make, hand make empanadas for you. Like oh, we're all, so, so that's where it started. And then I kept selling my jerseys. Um, so I can buy um, pizzas in New York. Um, I partnered with Joe's Pizza. And the first one, I also like gave pizzas out to the homeless community. And the second uh, food drive I did, I went to all the hardest hit COVID units in New York City, and I gave pizzas to all the nurses and the frontline workers. Um, yeah, so I've just been doing that. And everything's funded from my own personal soccer kick collection <laughs> that I'm selling. And I'm like starting to get to like the really good ones. And I'm like, oh, yeah. That must hurt a little bit as well somehow. <laughs> it hurts a little bit. I'm like, oof, okay. For a good also, cause. For a good cause, of course. 100%. Like at first, I'm like, damn, I love that jersey. But got to go. Got to feed some people, man, that need it more than, you know, a jersey in my car. Yeah, no, for sure. But yeah, big respect for you for doing that. That's amazing. Well done. Well done. <laughs> and um, yeah, let's start with you a little bit for the people that um, don't know you and for the people that do. Um, about um, your personal story. Um, how did you start playing football? And um, yeah, you growing up. How were you growing up? Yeah, so it's, I've done a lot of stuff. But um, <laughs> my soul, like my core, I'm an athlete. 
I started just being an active kid since I can remember. I first started with swimming when I was like two or three. And then I started playing tennis. And then all my guy cousins here in Florida, Miami, they're all football players. So they would like, you know, always bring a football around and we play on the street or we play like at the parks or whatever. And when I was seven, I was like, you know what? I kind of want to play football. Like this is like tennis is cool and all, but like I'm super alone. It's just me and my coach. Yeah. And like if I play football, I get to be around so many people and have a team and it's super awesome. Mm -hmm. So I started playing football at seven. Um, I never like I always knew I was super athletic. Like I was just always into sports and doing stuff, but I never like I never understood that I could have a career in football, especially as a woman, it was difficult because I didn't really have anyone to look up to until like 1999 mm -hmm. when the, the US national team won their first World Cup. And I was like, wait, I could maybe make a career out of this. So in 99, I don't know how old I was. I was probably like, oh my goodness, 13 <laughs> or something. I can't remember. But around that time, that's when I was like, there was like a little switch in my brain. I was like, I'm gonna take this full serious and this is gonna be my life. And from then on, like I started getting picked up by um, like the Olympic development program here in the States. Back then, that's where they would find the US national team. So you okay. would go like, you know, they, they chose me for the Florida team. So I was a top player in Florida. And then they choose you for the regional team. And I was a top player in, in the Southeast region of the United States. And then you go to, to the US national pool and then the, the, the actual team. Okay. I got cut in the US national pool <laughs> when I was 13. <laughs> And I was like, no. And it was cool, though, because I got to, like, play with Ashton Harris, who's still, like, on the U.S. Yeah. national team, and, like, all these amazing players. Um, and I continued on that path, you know, on ODP until I was, like, 17. I played in the best, like, leagues in the States, like uh, Raleigh Shootout in North Carolina, Texas Shootout in Texas, WAGs in Washington. And these were all, like, college showcase tournaments, and they were just the top of the top. And um, when I was 17 and I was already set, like I'm playing D1 college, like I had all these schools lined up. I was, that was it, like literally horse planners, like it was football. Mm -hmm. um, I decided to train on a Sunday, which I never do. And this one of my own team met, like met members slid, slid tackled into my ankle and like destroyed my ankle. So I got injured. And I was like, wait, hold up. Like, I never considered injury a thing. Like, I always yeah, thought yeah, I was yeah. invincible. And it was bad. It was, like, the beginning of my senior high school year. It was right when I was, like, about to choose what school I was going to play D1 college, like, for or whatever. And it was a wrap. Like, I just couldn't get over the fact that I got injured. And it was more, like, I could have gotten over it. Like, I tore all my ligaments on my ankle and like whatever whatever maybe I would have redshirted my first season in college like it had every athlete gets injured but I was so emotional at the time that I literally just like quit so you like, it was more like you didn't there was no other option for you right you were just like I'm gonna play football that's it like there's nothing that can stop me and then your yeah. immediate thought after the injury was like I'm done yeah it was so wild it was so like crazy I just like, that's it. I was like, I'm never going to play football again. Like, I'm never going to be able to touch the ball the same. I'm never going to. It was just like all these crazy wow. teenage girls. <laughs> like, but it's not, it's not really that, that because, because I have to say, when, when I did my ACL, oh, yeah. um, I didn't have that thought straight away. I felt like I was very like, okay, listen, this is happening six, nine months, whatever. I'm going to come back. Mm -hmm. But I remember post-surgery, 
being in my in the in the sofa at my parents' house and I was watching my team play. And I was oh, seeing them run, sprinting and all this stuff. And I was looking at myself and I was like, how how, how am I gonna do this? Like I cannot yeah. move my leg right now. I could barely just lift it up. I was like, how? Like how is this gonna get better? Like it gets your brain kind of trips you into yeah, it a little exactly. bit. Right? So I can and I fully understand you thinking that at that time. I could only imagine you also ACL being like one of the worst injuries in football and you're like sitting there and you're like, I was playing in the English Premier League, like literally the <laughs> top most hardest thing ever to accomplish. And you're just like, cool, just have to get back to that level. Like, yeah, just, just like it's nothing, right? <laughs> like it's nothing and just like take these hits and like yeah. pretend that your knee never tore. It's just like all this stuff. Yeah. It's so very hard. difficult. It's very difficult. Mentally, it's such a hard time. So I can, yeah. I can fully understand that. And, and just before we talk more about your injury, um, one of the things that, um, you know, like I feel really inspired by, by you because I, I follow you on Instagram and I see your stories and you work so hard. I, <laughs> when, you were, when you were training, like you haven't, I haven't seen you posting training football in a while, but when you were training football with your friends in Miami and stuff, and then you do your yoga, you do your workouts. And I was like, yo, this girl is working out every day and me after i get home from training i'm just like sitting in the couch so what is this you know sometimes i was feeling like yo i need to do more so tell me what what does that where does the drive and that um you know hard working mentality come from so this is like really special and important when i started playing football again 10 years later after my injury mm -hmm. i was like man i've just they, i just got a second chance like, I'm not going to mess this up. Like, there's no way I'm going to mess this up. Like, I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to be mentally prepared. I'm going to be physically prepared. I'm just going to be prepared. <laughs> like, and I'm going to just go back to football and do everything that I wish I would have been stronger or wish I would have done when I was younger. And that's why I was just like, I turned into like full, like beast mode 24 yeah, seven. Yeah, for real. Like it was crazy. <laughs> I, I, I was seeing it every day. <laughs> yeah, no, it was crazy. Like, so when I started playing football again, like I, I started on like playing street soccer in New York mm -hmm. and people were like, you're really good. I'm like, yeah, I used to be really good. And then a lot of people started getting in my head and they're like, you should try to play again. Maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm like in my late twenties. Like, you don't know how pro football works. Like that means like you're literally ancient. Like people are not going to pick you up when you're in your late twenties. Yeah. And I just kind of went for it. But I started in South America. And then, yeah, and I went, I remember remember going to Boca Juniors and I was legit the most fit person there. Like maybe my touch was a little off because I haven't played in mad long. But in terms of like fitness, I'm like, no one's outrunning me. I'm going to play 120 minutes if need be. Like mm -hmm. I don't even train for 90 minutes. I train for 120 plus. Yeah. And like whatever, my touch will come back. My technique will come back. My reading of the game will come back. But like, my body is ready to go. Like I'm gonna run right through people. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's just what it was. I love it. Yeah. So it was like I'm gonna be faster than you. I'm gonna be stronger than you. I'm gonna be mentally stronger than you. Like yeah. that's it. Like, we're on. And that was just beast because mode, I got proper it. beast mode. Yeah, proper beast mode. Like beast mode. <laughs> and and it and I made Boca Juniors and I got called to the Argentinian national team and like I I'm pretty sure it's mostly because of my work ethic and how much hard work and positivity and focus like the focus was real like yeah. even with my food like I wouldn't even touch a glass of wine like nothing like everything was wow. like football for real for real 
Like I did football for real when I was younger. This is like for real, for real. <laughs> yeah. So good. That's so good. We're, we're going to come back to that after to um, your second spell playing football. Because uh, then after your injury, do you have to have surgery or anything or rehab or? No, I just, I was in a, like a cast and in crutches for a while. And then I just like, I was like gone. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to play soccer anymore. Yeah, that's it. Crazy. forgot about it. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. But then yeah. you also had like other passions like um, of the field, right? Like you're someone that's yeah. like, really creative and stuff. And I don't know if it was straight after the, the injury, but then you went to the Fashion Institute of Technology. And that was when you moved to New York, right? So tell me about your decision. So when I decided my last year in high school is when I got injured, I decided to no longer play soccer. Hmm. I was like, you know what? I have always loved style, music, art, like, you know, the, this whole creative world that being an athlete and how devoted I was to my sport, I never really got the chance to like explore that like I obviously explored it daily like listening to music or like whatever having my own style but like really getting into it like really learning about music really learning about mm -hmm. style fashion all that stuff so I decided to go to FIT in New York City well thankfully they accepted me <laughs> and I got in um so I went to FIT and which is like one of the best design schools you know there's Central St. Martin's over there and um fit in person's over here and um yeah and it was it was sick it was amazing it was like everything i've always loved growing up but i had to play soccer and i had to go to training and i had to do this stuff so i was fully like submerged first of all new york city which is like amazing prime time for all of that and just studying this every day so it really like i got to de develop all this other stuff that i've always been so obsessed with um, yeah, and then from then on, like, I did a ton of really cool stuff. And then, how was New York for you? Because you really grew to love New York, right? Oh, yeah. It's so strange. Like, so many people to this day, they're like, you're a New Yorker. Even though I'm, like, born in Miami, I have 305 tattooed on my fingers, but I'm, like, a New Yorker. And even, like, New Yorker New Yorkers told me that we're born and raised in Soho or whatever. They're like, you're the most New York person that, who's not from New York. It's crazy. You adapted. But, you settled in good. <laughs> yeah. Like, and for someone to tell me that who's from there and they're, like, super hardcore, I'm like, wow, cool. Like, and I didn't try to. It just happened. Like, I just, like, fell into that culture and it made sense for me. But even when I was, like, younger, when the first time I went to New York, I was, like, seven or eight. And I went ice skating in Rockefeller Center. And it started snowing, and I was just like, oh, man, this place is cool. Like, already from, like, the jump, you know? It's so different from where I'm from, right? Yeah, it was weird. And then I started wearing Tim's in Miami, even though it's, like, 100 degrees, 40 degrees for yeah, you guys yeah, up there. Yeah. I'm, like, rocking Tim's in the summer in Miami, and people are like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, I don't know. I don't think I'm in the right place, to be honest. But... <laughs> So, like, I love New York. I love everything about it from, like, the street culture to, like, the creative culture to going to the ballet to going uptown, Brooklyn, everything. Like, it's just such a dope place. And um, were you, like, still working out a little bit or you fully were, like, now nah, I'm just focusing on, like, my studies and I'm going to live, like, because you say you're with someone, like, really sporty, right? So were yeah. you like trying to keep on top of it or you were just like, nah, after my ankle, I'm done and this is all I'm doing? 
so I actually did a lot of yoga, which I still do. I started doing yoga right when I got injured. So after I healed from my ankle, I continued to do yoga because I was so interested in the whole like meditation and just like calming myself down mm. part of that, of you know, yoga meditation and also being in New York, which is so active, the energy there and the pace is very fast that I needed to just like sit with myself and I did yoga and yoga was fantastic. So I've been practicing forever. I'd occasionally go out for runs. I wouldn't run more than like a 5k or something, but I also, I became more like conscious about my food intake in a different way. So I was a vegetarian for a while. Um, and I got kind of like thin yeah. and that led me doing some modeling stuff, which was fine. Cause <laughs> oh, cool. but, it. opens new yeah. goals sometimes. <laughs> No, no, it was cool. Like I walked New York Fashion Week for V Files one year. I've had like a billboard in Times Square, like really cool stuff. But again, like the intention was just like trying new stuff and then everything just yeah. happened. Um, but yeah, I was I was active in a different way, like yoga and then yeah, the runs, I guess that's that takes, you know, physical activity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a little tougher, but yeah, for a while it was very chill. It was nothing like part two of my soccer career. I don't even thinking about coming back yet. Yeah, no, not even close. <laughs> no, away. And then obviously you were, um, as you said, when you were young in like, high school and stuff, you were like, you used to be captain of like teams and stuff. And then, um, yeah. you know, from such football culture and uh, being an athlete and stuff, you just went and you interned in a magazine, Nylon Magazine, was it? Yeah. And um, tell me, how was that, that change for you? It was, it was really interesting because I mean, it, I felt like it was so organic because it just is part of who I am. I just never really had a chance to like focus on it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So everything I did from going to design school to interning at Nylon Magazine, I was in the fashion department and like just touching clothes all day and being around different types of creative minds. It was just like, I'm like, oh yeah, this is normal. Like it just, it was so normal for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. So I still had so much to learn. I just like, I was a sponge. It was really cool. So the transition was just normal. <laughs> I don't know how to even explain it. It was just like, okay, like no doubt, part two, this is really cool. Like my creative side. Like, yeah, that's so, good. that's so good that you just got there and it was like, yeah, this is my place. I yeah. Like how you say with the city, I relate so much like for me coming to London, you know, um, like a lot of people like say like, oh, Hector's a Londoner now. Like he even like speaks yeah. to people like, <laughs> like from London. And um it's so like I felt so good straight away when I when I came here. Like I felt more understood by this city and the people around it than in Spain, in just like my little hometown, you know. So um, yeah, it's, it, like I think it's such a good feeling. And like after after all these years now, I've been nine years here. Like you look back and it's like wow, this this city actually has given me so much, and it has yeah. made me who I am. Like all the things that I'm doing today, like if I kept playing football in Spain, I don't, I, I don't think I would have been doing half of them, you know, like the right. being able to just like think a bit more outside the box and like try mm -hmm. new things or like whether it's with fashion or, you know, I, I think the, the, the mentality in Spain or like my life um, that I used to have there probably wouldn't have given me the opportunity to do that. So I feel that, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's so nice to see like also happening for other people, you know, that like you just get to this place that, you never really been before like me London I would only see like on movies or like in postcards or whatever and then <laughs> I got here and obviously it's not as sunny and I don't have the beach like too many walk from my house but this city is giving me so much at the same time I feel the same way about New York and funnily enough my favorite city like 
top two in the world is London. Like I, yeah, I literally tried to move to London a couple of times. It didn't work out, but I freaking love it there so much. I get the same type of vibe as New York. Mm, yeah, yeah. So I get that. Yeah, same thing with New York. Every time, like, you know, I'm home, I'm in Miami. I was born here, but I feel like such an outsider, like yeah. all the time, like 24 seven. The second I get to LaGuardia or JFK, I'm like, oh, I'm home. I'm <laughs> yeah, I'm like home. I'm free. Like I can be weird and smart and like street and like elegant. I could just do everything here. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's yeah. so good. That is so good. And then you go into the artist, the art scene. Let's say with a uh, college and uh, interning for the magazine and stuff. And then you started DJing. Yeah. And that was a big part of who you well still is a big part of who you are. But I guess like DJing gave you loads of opportunities, right? Yeah, so DJing, so funny. When I started DJing, like people who knew me since I was little, they're like, yeah, no, like obviously you would DJ at some point in your life because I'm like obsessed with music. I remember being little and like every single song, it doesn't matter what genre or what de decade would come on the radio and I would sing all the lyrics to the top of the, my lungs. And my mom was like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> like, how do you even know this song? It's so crazy. So I remember, you know, I started going out in my early 20s in New York and I felt like there was like some flavor missing, you know, it was like the era of like the strokes and like, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it was really cool. Like, don't get me wrong, but I was like, man, we need to get some, like, this is New York. We need to get some like hip hop here, like some dance hall, reggae, some like vibes, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like cool places in New York. Like, mm. but like the art scene that they were still very like, not too much into hip hop. There weren't yeah, really yeah. much into sports. And I was like, I'm, and I was like, I promise you guys, like this is cool and fun. So yeah. I decided to start DJing and bring that flavor to the cool downtown New York like vibe. And yeah, so I started DJing. <laughs> so crazy. That, what, was it self-taught? Yeah, fully. Like That's 100%. I'm like, all right, so I need to learn how to use Serato. Okay, no doubt. I need to learn how to use a Pioneer mixer. Okay, cool. <laughs> like, I was, that, was, that, was that YouTube? Was that like YouTube tutorials and stuff? Because I feel like, I don't know, like my, my generation, our generation is just like something. I don't know how to do this. Let's just go on YouTube. And I know so, so many people that got so good at Photoshop and like things like that. Just for like YouTube sure. videos. And it's so, so cool. No, this was like 2000 and um i want to say seven so i don't even know i think we may maybe had twitter back then <laughs> maybe <laughs> i don't even remember i had a blackberry with a thing on the side oh, um, that was the time that just, was the time blackberry blackberry <laughs> chat that was the time yeah pin me yeah it was kind of crazy i learned on the spot and as I started getting better at it, because everyone really enjoyed my music selection, I started moving on to like bigger, like DJ equipment, like proper mm -hmm. mixers and stuff. I don't scratch any of that. I never really took the time, the time to learn, but you know, my whole transitioning and my usage of that, just the mixer was incredible. And just the knowledge of the music and knowing how to read like people. Yeah. You know? So I, yeah, I could easily read a crowd and be like, these people are bored as hell. And they're gonna leave. Yeah, <laughs> like, I need to switch this. Yeah, and I can switch it up. And I always loved also DJing for like girls. I loved seeing girls have fun. And when the girls have fun, everyone has fun. Like no one really cares about dudes dancing. No offense. <laughs> but it's like, you know, I just like kind of catered to girls all the time, and we always had so much fun. And yeah. it just started turning into like 
my career and I never planned for that. I just wanted to like have more fun when I went out because it's like, yeah, we could like dance to like 50s rock and robin, like oldies and like the strokes and like be cool and like whatever. But like when you have that like vibe that, you know, there's this other hip hop essence that makes everything so much more cool. And just picked up and I started getting booked everywhere. I've DJed in London, I've DJed in Paris and Buenos Aires and LA, like all over the place. I My party in New York, I had a couple of parties, but I had a Wednesday night party at this place called Westway that used to be a strip club and we took it over and made it into this really sweaty, fun party. And my party got voted best party in New York. So I was in paper magazine. Yeah. So I was in paper magazine as like best party in New York, like a picture of me. And I'm like, what's up? You know, like it was really cool. (laughs) And uh, yeah, and it was dope. And then that eventually turned into Virgil, who's a good friend of mine, Mm -hmm. calling me one day in like 2011. And he's like, hey, do you want to be part of this funny little like DJ collective called Ben Trill? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, but if I get to play like fun music, like I'm down. So then I was part of Ventrill, which is really cool. That's so cool. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Was yeah, it got to it back then? Was, was like Matthew Williams and Heron Preston as well like on it and stuff? Or like, who, who? Yeah, so the, the first uh, people were Virgil, yeah. Kanye, uh, yeah. Justin Sounders from Jounds, mm-hmm. Matthew Williams and Heron Preston, and they needed a girl. But they wanted a girl who like, understood music and hip-hop and but was also like stylish and like you know yeah, just yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. things and that's when i got the call from virgil i didn't i didn't really know virgil i was really good friends yeah, with heron at the time yeah so yeah. i remember heron and i were walking in downtown new york by la esquina and i get this call and i'm like sure like i'm down so then Dude. i think the next week we flew to chicago and it was like one of the first times we ever dj'd together all of us my, minus kanye and we opened for ASAP Rocky at the House of Blues. I was so nervous. I'm like, I don't even know these yeah. guys that much. There's like thousands of screaming kids and we're like yeah. opening for ASAP Rocky and then whatever, that was history. Then we went on tour with Kanye. We, went, we were on Watch the Throne in Europe. Um, I DJed his film premiere in Cannes. Like all this stuff. It was so, I was just kind of like, whoa. Yeah, and, and I feel I, I saw a picture, um, like a really old picture from you guys from like the Bintro crew. And I was thinking, like, yo, these people have come so far from like those days, right? When you were DJing, like, obviously, like Virgil Creative, director of LV, oh, yeah. of Y, and all the stuff he does on the side. Matthew Williams now, creative director mm-hmm. of Givenchy. Heron Preston has got his own brand. I was like, yo, these people literally, they just got together. They've just like influenced each other so much. And I felt like, like, I could imagine it just be like, yo, we're gonna we're going to fuck shit up. Like we're just going to go crazy. And now everyone has like all these positions and it's like, whoa, it's so cool to see, you know, so, so cool. And you were a yeah, part but, of this. Yeah, no, for sure. And even though like when we were all together in 2011, 2012, 2013, like they were still like super brilliant. They were just like building, you know, their, their empire, like everything Heron did in New York city and like his whole Nike thing. And like, Virgil, before even joining Kanye, he had like pastel and like everything that everyone was just so creative and like bubbling, you know, it was just, a, it was time for them to do their thing. And I was the only different one because I'm the athlete. Like I was just yeah, the yeah, one yeah. that needed to go pro. So like my thing was going pro and everyone thought that was crazy because I was like already older and stuff. And being a pro athlete, as you know, is not easy. Like obviously what Virgil's doing is crazy. 
and like we're mad like their positions are also not yeah, easy yeah, yeah, yeah. this is like a physical thing like your body breaks down your mind doesn't really break down as much but your body does. <laughs> yeah so, yeah was, was, um i don't know tell us like what was your favorite um time or like story anecdote that happened like through those years i'm sure people would love to hear it do you have one like obviously the, fir the first time that you dj you, you were so nervous like it must have been crazy but like was there I don't know, like one set that you guys did together that you were like, yo, this one was shit, or like, I don't know. Oh, there's so, <laughs> so many, it's hard. Oh man, there's like, so, uh, I don't even know which one to tell. And they're also like funny, cause I like, I just like to have fun and I love a funny story, even yeah, though it is inspiring, but. So when, when we were on, when we were in Paris, yes, we were in Paris. And it was during Watch the Throne tour, and we were doing, we DJed at Cha Cha, and that was so fun. But um, there was one night where we weren't even DJing, we were just like in the mix. Like we had like Beyonce there and like Kelly Rowland, like we were on the VIP section. And when they finally hit that last, I think it was 12 or 13 times, it was so crazy. So Jay got the whole stadium to mosh and then we all jumped over the seats and went onto the second, like second stage and everyone was just like jumping around, going nuts. And that, we thought that was just like the most amazing moment, just everyone moshing. And I have never seen people mosh at a hip hop show. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it started, I feel like that's where it started this whole thing with like Travis Scott and everyone just like having that mosh vibe. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, oh, we're, we're like creating a moment where shit's going to change in like the hip hop culture. So we were all like, this is really funny because it takes such a like crazy turn. We all go out that night to celebrate that, you know, that night. And also it was Kanye's cousin's birthday. And we're all like so happy, like having the best time. And somehow, <laughs> this Virgil will tell you this story and we still don't understand. We're in a very tight VIP section. Like, mm -hmm. it's like Jay-Z, The Dream, Kelly Rowland, like all these people, yeah, me, yeah. whatever, da-da-da. We're like gonna leave because we have to wake up the next day to go back to the O2, uh, I forget where it was, O2 Arena. No, that's in London. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot where it was in Paris. Anyway. So Virgil and I look at each other, we're like, dude, we gotta go. It's like 4 a.m., da-da-da. We're looking for a backpack after having the best day ever. Backpack's gone. We're like, wait, hold up. Someone stole our backpack. No. Someone stole our backpack. We had all of our computers in there for DJing, Virgil's passport, like all of this stuff. Like, how did they get into the section and steal our oh passport? Oh, my God. So we're like up all night at our hotel, like we have to DJ, Virgil has to jump on the PJ in two days to go to Switzerland for the next show. And we get this like cryptic email from some random person. Like we, we found your backpack, give us like VIP entrance and tickets for the rest of the, of the Watch the Throne tour. <laughs> we're like, what? I literally, I should pull it up and read it. And we just like, it was just a week of back and forth with, with an email. We don't even know who the hell yeah, this yeah, 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 yeah. And Virgil being such a kind human that he is, he's like, okay, yes, like I'll, I'll put you VIP on everything. We'll send you everything, da, da, da. Long story short, we get our computers back. He gets his passport back, but obviously he doesn't like hook these people up. But we were just like, what the hell just happened? It was just the craziest shit. They had to like ship our backpack from Denmark and like our computers were perfect. It was like the craziest story. But wow 
it has like nothing to do with like it's being inspiring but it was just like we always talk about that day we're like remember that day our shit got stolen and <laughs> those are the things that, that, that you laugh about later but when you're in that moment you're like whoa what is happening it was like so much information on our computers like virgil's passport like it was just like <laughs> crazy and we kept having like funny situations like that we wouldn't really freak out we just kind of look at each other and like die laughing or yeah, like is this was yeah. happening right now like this cannot be real there's a th there's so many like but that one's like the most like jarring one yeah yeah, yeah. like props for like beating security and like stealing our stuff like that's pretty and finding your email you know <laughs> he had it he so virgil had his email and his passport that's why oh, okay 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 oh that's <laughs> crazy that's crazy wow yeah, that was great. <laughs> Paris, isn't it? That's what Paris does to you, I guess. Freaking Paris, man. Oh, yeah. my goodness. <laughs> and then um, 2014, you decide to run the New York Marathon. What's yeah. that with the um, Chrissy Sellington Burns uh, Trust or yeah. something like that? Um, and then kind of like... On the back of it, your love for football reignites again a little bit. Tell us a little bit your story and why you decided to run the marathon and everything. So after my whole Ben Trill thing, which I, I talked to the guys and I was like, you know, I think this is more of a guy thing. Yeah. <laughs> it was really fun, but like I kind of, there's something else that I needed to do. Mm -hmm. And like, and I decided that I was going to run the New York Marathon before, you know, in my late 20s, before I turned 30. And I committed to that, which is, was so scary because a marathon is yeah. 26.2 miles, which is 44, I think, kilometers. Yeah. Um, which is a lot. It's insane. Yeah. And I had not really, like, trained like that in over a decade. And I was just, like, this yoga body, skinny, vegetarian girl, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so I was like, all right, let's, let's commit to this. And I committed to the marathon. I ran it. I finished my time was okay i did have like i hit that wall that people talk about in marathons yeah, yeah, yeah. um when you get towards the end whatever but then i was like you know what i just ran a marathon i could probably play football right now mm -hmm. like i'm i think i'm a little fit so i got funnily enough at that time i got approached by a life and they're like we know you like football we used to have a football team in the bowery league and we want to bring that back do you want to be part of this and i'm like yeah for sure so like top of 2014 um no 2000 yeah 2013 2014 i get this team and we start playing the bowery league and i started playing again and it was so scary because i haven't touched a football like a proper soccer ball since I got injured, so I was 17. Yeah, yeah. Wow, so it's like 13 years. Yeah, I was like 29 around that age, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. And my first game back, I remember I had to man mark their best player on the other team, and I'm like, why? I haven't touched the ball in so why long. <laughs> like, why me? I'm also a center forward, but okay. <laughs> and it's just incredible, like, there's certain movements that I was just like getting used to and like just reading the game and it was so incredible. So I started playing with A-Life and then with A-Life, we did a cool collaboration with Puma and I was like the model, the creative director, like I got my best friend to shoot it and it was really, really cool. you know, you know, that was, that, that was one of the first things that I shot with Puma as well when I signed with them. 
Oh, really? Yeah, the A Life and Puma collaboration. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. Not, I had that's cool. Yeah, so that, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so we did the New York one. Connected, like, connected. <laughs> yeah, right? Since back in the day. Damn, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I started doing that whole thing, and Bowery League in New York is so dope. Like, it's been around forever since, like, the early 2000s. Obviously, like, back then, we didn't have social media, so not a lot of people knew about it. Mm. And thankfully, when I started to play Bowery League, that's when, like, Instagram became a thing, and we were able to show, like, this New York street soccer scene that was so dope, because yeah. back then, it was really a lot of mostly creatives like everyone was like a photographer an art director a model or whatever there weren't real soccer players like real yeah, real yeah. pro ex soccer players in the mix and it was really exciting because you're like for instance like dev hines friend of mine right yeah, yeah, yeah. so he plays soccer and i had no idea i just thought he was this crazy really? musician yeah huge oh, soccer crazy. fan like crazy football fan he plays football and like I didn't know that until like getting in the mix with like Bowery League and like yeah, all the creatives yeah. who like like football. And I was like, all these people keep popping up that are like football players, enthusiasts or whatever. And I'm like, dude, sick. Like, I love your photography, but you're also, that goal was amazing. <laughs> like, <laughs> I never thought I'd be saying that. It was yeah, really yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, and then like eventually, like maybe a year or two later, I turned A-Life into the Kith team, which was really amazing. And I was signed to Adidas by then. Mm -hmm. and I was talking to Ronnie and I was like you know what maybe we should like link with Adidas football and do a collection and he's like I'm down so we did that <laughs> that was so, so cool as well yeah I remember I was in Art Basel here in Miami in 2015 and I was on the phone with Sam Handy who used to be the global football guy for Adidas mm -hmm. and Ronnie and we we're like all right we're gonna make this happen and it's gonna be super fucking dope so we had a three-season collection, Kit Adidas football, and plus I had a team in New York. I made one here in Miami, and then we had one in L.A., and that was really cool. And then during that time, I was like, okay, I'm mixing everything I learned in New York from, like, fashion and music and whatever and football, but I still need to play pro. Like, I need to, I need to do that. I've been dreaming about That was about inside it. of you, huh? Yeah, it was still there, and I was like, all right, I'm going to go to my favorite football club, since I was a little girl and I know they have a women's team because I was researching, I'm going to go to Boca Juniors in Buenos Aires and see if they'll give me a shot. Yeah. And I did that from like the ground up. Like I know people at Boca, like I could have easily called Crespi and been yeah, like, you yeah. know, get me a spot on the team, but I didn't. I talked to the coach. I didn't tell him like who I was, like nothing. I was just like, I'm a girl that plays football. Can I try out for your team? Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, okay. So I flew down to Argentina, tried out, made the squad, and I, I was just like, what is my life? Like, what is going on? This is so cool. And also, um, and also I've seen games of um, Argentinian women's football, like uh, Boca against River. And yo, that is crazy. That's, that's like WWE. Yeah, no, that, I know what video you're talking about. That was <laughs> like, when I saw that, I was like, oh man, I'm gonna break a leg, but I'm gonna do it. They, it wasn't that intense that was yeah. like that video that you're talking about was yeah. like two three years before i went but it's it's like it's rowdy down there like oh yeah. my goodness i got hit hard but i heard that you know like the juveniles like the younger kids who go yeah. and like are the inferiores in argentina it's the same thing like it's like you're fighting for your life yeah, right? yeah, yeah. i think it's like very like the, the football culture over there is very like that right like from men's yeah. to women's like it's just so passionate and like yeah you know, you, you go through anyone to like, 
when oh yeah it's literally your life like you're you're playing but you're still fighting to be like on that team because that's all you got like yeah. that's your life like that's that's the vibe there but um and that's also like i really wanted to help women's football in argentina because i grew up when i was little i i've been going to argentina since i was born like every summer i spent in argentina i always thought about my friend bia who she's been my friend since I was a little girl and her dream was to play football, but it was impossible in Argentina because they just mm -hmm. didn't have that as an option. And yeah. I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to try to at least develop or help eyes come to football in Argentina. Like just help the women be inspired to play. Like it's, it's really difficult over there. Girls don't play soccer because of like, you know, they have all the worst stereotypes and, you know, they're like, oh, if you play football, then you must be like low class garbage. Like it's really, yeah. Argentines sometimes like can really have the worst <laughs> train of thoughts. Yeah, and I was, trying to, I was trying to break that stigma. Like, no, everyone plays football. Everyone, it doesn't matter your race, your bank account, your education, like fo yeah. football is a beautiful game. It's for the world. So part of Boca was me playing pro, but then I saw something else there. I was like, man, we need to like, get girls hyped to play the sport argentina we need men in argentina to respect women who play yeah. football yeah. and on top of that like we hardly got paid like we they are not living off of football in argentina yeah. at yeah. all like yeah. so during my boca time not only was i able able to fulfill like one of my dreams i definitely tried to help just women's football in argentina i used the majority of my adidas stipend to buy all of them cleats, sports bras, awesome. the little headbands. Yeah. And I, it was just, I, that's like when stuff started to shift. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm playing pro, but like, we need to do something for women's football. And this yeah. is 2015, no, 2016. And I remember like literally smuggling two huge, two huge luggages filled with soccer cleats for like girls in Argentina so they could play soccer. <laughs> like through customs like oh my god please, <laughs> please <laughs> yeah and it you know and that was just like that became my passion mm. it was like cool i got to play soccer again but i need to help i need to like build women's football in my country and the whole time thinking about my friend bia like damn i wish me as a you know i was so lucky football in the states is like massive but then there's all these other countries in the world where football for women is you're treated like garbage you don't get paid you don't get respected you don't even have the opportunity to play like you don't have teams so i shifted for a while into that and that's what i've been doing kind of for the most part up until like you know the pandemic and the world cup a lot of things started happening but i was really yeah. focused on that for a while that's so good and yeah. um and then you went into some training sessions with the argentinian national team right yeah that was crazy i got called to the national team i went to training camp and i was like this is okay like this is really something i wasn't expecting at all that was the beast mode you know that was the hard work you put in yeah 100 it's like you you're so focused and just like being the best version of yourself every day that things eventually start to like you know happen yeah and I went to, yeah, La Selección, and it was crazy. I was like, this is literally where, like, Messi and, like, all the guys train and play. And I'm, like, I, I'm 32 now, and this is where I'm at. Like, I would have never thought that, you know, from 17 mm. to 32. And, um, and then at that time, I was still also, like, fighting for these girls on my national team. You know, like, I helped them get signed to Adidas. I helped them get signed to Nike. 
I would help them however I could so they could stay yeah. motivated and also inspire the next generation of Argentinian soccer players. Mm -hmm. So it was just like all this beautiful stuff happening. I'm like, oh my God, this is great. I want to do this forever. That's so um, yeah, and then 2019 comes and it's World Cup time and I get called to a World Cup training camp in February. And I remember crying when I got that, when he, my coach sent me the voice note. And I was like, what? I didn't even, this is like already a bonus on top of a bonus on top of a bonus. Like this is incredible. That's so bad. And um, yeah, I didn't make the World Cup team totally fine. Like, <laughs> I mean, I can't <laughs> even believe that I made it this far. Um, but yeah, and he told me, you know, he's like, you know, you weren't on the team for Copa America. We have some people that have been here for a long time, like politics and all that stuff. And I'm like, it's fine. <laughs> like, don't worry. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I'm so thankful. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, and then that happened. That was last summer. Congratulations, man. I'm so happy that that happened after like, you know, <laughs> after like, I can imagine like, um, losing like faith and hope, like in football. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, turning it around the way you did and, you know, getting that, as you say, that bonus, that price at yeah. the end must have been amazing. So honestly, I'm really, really happy for you that you got to do that. Thanks. Um, obviously, you had many fun nights in Paris that we heard, but then you also went back there to like try out with PSG, right? That must have been like oh, yeah. cool as well. Yeah, that was also something I couldn't, I was just like, okay, this life is nuts. Um, <laughs> I got called to PSG April of 2018 and oh, that was like the worst timing but I still went because I fractured my wrist like I I was playing a game with guys and I literally broke like my hand off my arm pretty much I don't know if you could see I have like a nasty scar yeah, yeah, yeah I, can I, have, see. I have a titanium plate and screws holding this all together oh damn um, so I had a really serious surgery. I had ser like pretty serious recovery. I never expected that for a wrist. And I got called to PSG. Mind you, I wasn't training. I wasn't allowed to run. I wasn't allowed to do anything. So I was like fairly out of shape. And I was like, I'm still going. <laughs> like, whatever, I'm still going. <laughs> so I go to PSG. I do, I train with them for like a week or two. And the coach is like, you're, you're good, but you literally can't run past 20 minutes. It's like, li 20 minutes in, I was done. Like, it was a wrap. Really? Like, I, was, I was just like, oh, my God. I'm out of breath. Mind you, this is, like, kind of the end of their season. These girls, I'm playing with, like, half of the French national team. They're, like, ballers. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Jenny Hermosa, she plays for Spain, and, like, now she's in Barcelona, I think. Those yeah. were, like, I was with those girls. Like, it was no joke. Oh. <laughs> like, PSG is popping. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I can't run. I, I literally can't run. Like I have no lungs. My legs are done. Like yeah. I have a thing in my wrist. That's really strange. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the best time for you, right? I was like, timing's a little off right now, but <laughs> it was still like an incredible, you know, opportunity. Like I was hanging out with these girls who then like beat the U S four one, you know, I was just like, Oh, this is so inspiring. It's so yeah. cool. Yeah. And now you're and now you're back uh, playing in the Bowery League. Well, not right now because everything's shut yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, just before but, the pandemic. Yeah, once everything pops up again, I'm back to good old street soccer, which I love. I, I've so. been always so like interested by by these leagues, you know, like here in London they call it like Sunday League, but you know, uh -huh. all these um, creative kind of collectives like getting together, playing football. Like, I always see, like, all these collaborations with, like, sports bands with Adi or with Nike. And I'm like, yo, I really want to play here one day. Like, this is, oh. this is cool. 
it's super cool and it's gotten so competitive like i was having this conversation this morning it's crazy how competitive it is because now it's like we're like mixing like creatives with like ex pros and it's just like this really beautiful like merge people who love the sport and it's like it's really competitive and then the style is really cool like we're you know collaborating with all these different brands and stuff and it's just really cool it's fun and in new york like i play tuesday night co-ed and we're under the manhattan bridge so it's like you're playing football you have some like dope kid on and you have like the bridge lit up and you're like this is magical like this is literally amazing amazing. yeah that's so cool Super does it cool. get does it get as um does it get as aggressive as a Argentina Boca River or no? Oh yeah, big time. Oh no, really? <laughs> yeah, you have no idea. Oh my goodness, I've like almost destroyed my ankle before, like playing against guys. There's also a league here in Miami that where Kith plays that is super competitive, but these guys like are ballers. They're like South American, like super epic dudes, and it's like yeah. really high pace, 99. But Bowery League is like. Uh, it's a, like Min, he's the one who created Bowery League. Like he's amazing. He's the nicest guy in the world, and he like started Bowery League, and he still has it going. He's yeah. a photographer for Bowery League too, so he's out there taking pics of you getting cracked. Doing and, like, everything. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, no, it's it's the best. That's so good. And um, you told me about like some ongoing projects you have um, right now, and mm-hmm. um, you just literally bought like an indoor like football fields in in Miami right like tell me about it I thought it was such a cool idea what you had in mind yeah so there is this we got this opportunity out of the blue and during the pandemic like everything's yeah. closed but these two Argentine dudes were super nice they were just over it they're like we can't we don't know what to do anymore with these fields whatever well like do you want to buy these fields and we we're like mm, whatever we saw them in photos and they were like mediocre looking we go to this warehouse in the middle of nowhere and we're like, dude, this is amazing. It's like a 10,000 square foot, like two pitches, like perfect turf. Like all it needs is a little like, you know, ventilation and like yeah. good marketing and we're off. Yeah. So we, we bought this the place and we started operating and it was like our phones were blowing up. Like everyone wanted to play there. Like there's a little cafe. That's it's so in cool. a warehouse. It's cool. But then, you know, this, the, all the cases started to spike in Miami with coronavirus and I kind of had to make an executive decision and be like, mm-hmm. we have to close. Like, we can't. Yeah, no, like, of course, yeah. really bad. So we were open for a whole 10 days and killed it. <laughs> 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 Good 10 days and we were popping and then we had to close down. So we're still closed. At least closed. you know there's a future. At least you know there's a future, you know? 100%. Like, I cannot wait to, like, open up again. But that gives us time to also, like, sort out little things, you For know? Sure, yeah. And then you can <laughs> make some empanadas in the cafe, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know, actually. It takes a lot of work. I'm super, like, <laughs> precise with things. Yeah. <laughs> Not a but, yeah. That's so cool. Um, just to end, because uh, I think we're like, running out of time a little bit. Um, uh-huh. Do you have any any books that you're reading right now? Any shows that you're watching that you want to recommend us on our listeners? This is so embarrassing. I'm like so behind on stuff. Like I'm just watching Casa no, I'm, Papel. I'm right the same. Now. What what, what okay. do you want to say? I'm just watching Casa Papel right now. Like oh, I haven't I haven't watched the first two seasons, but that's it. I've not finished it yet. So look, same. Everyone like everyone's like you have to watch Money Heist Casa Papel. And I'm like okay, I'm so behind. Um, I started reading this book that I am, I actually put it down to pick it back up. I'll tell you what it is right now. It's called You Are the Placebo. 
Okay, <laughs> that's interesting. Or the placebo, so it's really interesting. And I, yeah. I really like... Power of the mind, right? Yes, mind over matter, 100%. And I'm like, that was literally me going back to football. Like, yeah, no, for real, matter. for real. Like, I, I, I truly believe in that. And, like, through injuries, I, now when I was going... Well, when I was injured, I had, like, loads of chats with... um with uh, my physio, his name is Paulo, uh, he's, in, he's Portuguese, and we used to talk about, like, he used to um, be a physio in, in the UAE, in, the, in Emirates, and uh -huh. he said, like, over there, there were so many guys that they were, like, you know, one game away, fighting for a contract, and, like, they had, like, literally, like, a three or, like, a eight-centimeter tear in the hamstring, and they were playing, and he was, like, I was like, how, you know? And he was saying, like, you know, when when you know, like, your last game depends on, like, whether you're going to get a contract, whether your family are going to eat and, like, stuff like that. Like, you put your mind to it. And you, yeah. these players weren't even complaining. Like, they played 90 minutes and, like, yeah, it's such a such an exciting, like, like it's a crazy concept, you know? So, um, I, I want to add that to my list. Yeah, you are the placebo. At first, it starts like they just start, you know, telling you or you start reading about all these different experiences from like recovering from cancer to like even losing weight. Like there's like ev just completely across the board. And it's just how you how you get into your mind and you tell yourself like, no, I'm fine. And it's like reprogramming yourself mm -hmm, entirely. Yeah. And it's just in your mind. And, you know, he talks about how like, you know, in religion, you have like the miracles from God. Yeah. And then in science, you have like people give you a placebo and then you think that this is the medicine that's like fixing you, but it's just a placebo and it's really your mind. So everything goes back to just like your mind. Yeah, yeah, your yeah. Mind. And I'm like, dude, it's so freak. It's true. Like I have little yeah, funny yeah, yeah. experiences with that too. But so I cool. Well, thank you for that. And uh, thank you for your time, Flo. That's been amazing. Honestly, had so much fun learning about you and your story. I think it's so, so cool. I think people are going to love hearing this. Um, keep going with all your training and your beast mode and your yoga and everything. <laughs> you inspire me, honestly. Like, right now, I'm a little bit like quarantine snack bod. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, I think we've all been. I think okay. we've all been. Like, even, even while I've been here at home, it's, it's, I find it like, and I think loads of players, I find it really hard to um, train without a goal in the mind. Yeah. When it all started, it's like, are we even going to finish the league? If we do, when are we going to start training? And we're just like training and training at home. But you're like, I'm just really doing this for myself because I don't know what's happening. So don't yeah. worry. We, we forgive you for this. <laughs> but um, yeah, honestly, thank you so much for your time. And I really hope um, the football fields in, in Miami really pop it. If I'm ever there, I've been there a few times, actually. I love Miami. I love going there in the summer. So yeah. when I'm there next time, I'll, I'll let you know. Maybe we'll play a little, a little game over there. Come through. That's perfect. <laughs> Thank you. Take Thank care. You so much. Yeah, you. talk to you later. Bye. Ciao. To keep up to date on future episodes, subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts at Hector Bellerin.